Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I'm always ready to go home and get in bed. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Tell me your life story. I'm a crazy person. With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. Wow, I'm a nightmare to live with and be with. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. So I'm not like nutso. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about introverts versus extroverts, making room for both of those in your home and on your podcast, as the case may be. (laughs) A yin and a yang. Yeah. Marriage of two um, equals, but difference. I mean, I'm just guessing, but I think we have one of each on this podcast. And agree. This is definitely one that we have to start at, like, is this a thing? Because I have some thoughts on that. Okay. All right. This episode idea came to me from a tweet that I saw from somebody named author Abby Jim on Twitter. I'll put the link in the show notes. She says, my husband, the extrovert, and I, the introvert, got separated on our flight. We're in middle seats in the same row. I've already apologized to the people sitting next to me like seven times. My husband is sharing beef jerky with strangers, and I think he's now in someone's wedding. (laughs) (laughs) This is definitely us. This is definitely you and me. Yeah. It's actually not my relationship, but it is my work relationship. My work wife is an extrovert. Yes. And it's interesting. I mean, I definitely like to get the life stories of everyone I interact with. True. I like to talk to strangers. In a way that I find, when I hear extrovert, it's like life of the party, like yada, yada, yada. And that's really, I mean, you could certainly, you have that crayon in your box. But I also see you really deeply, truly interact with people. You know what I mean? It doesn't like, tell me your life story. I'm a crazy person. You know, you really get people sharing themselves in a way that's... <laughs> Fozzie Bear or something. Yes. Yeah, you're not Fozzie Bear. That's an old deluxe alert. Back in my day. But you aren't Fozzie Bear. But Fozzie survives. People still know Fozzie, I feel like. Yeah. He abides. Fozzie abides. Yeah. Fozzie endures. Yes. Yeah. So I, th- I mean, I think there are sort of negative stereotypes about extroverts and introverts. And we can talk about those today. I'll tell you why I think it is a thing. Okay. Because I didn't know this until I researched this episode, that the idea of introversion versus extroversion was first posited by psychologist Carl Jung. Oh, a Jungian. A Jungian. It's a Jungian thing. He was the first one to describe it as introversion and extroversion when discussing personality elements. He classified these two groups. This will be deeply familiar to you if you've ever read a 
magazine article. He classified <laughs> these two groups based on where they found their source of energy. Jung argued that extroverts are energized by crowds and interaction with the external world. Introverts need alone time to recharge, and so that makes them more reserved in their manners and engagement with others. Sure. That makes sense. But he also said from the beginning, and I think this is true, that it isn't an all or nothing option. But that's the key. That's the only place where I get a little bit like, is this a thing? Like, you can be like an introvert with extrovert rising. You can be like an extrovert under an introvert moon or whatever. Yeah. I mean, certainly we were talking about this in a recent pandemic episode. I have lost a little bit of my... I find it has trained out of me or whatever. Like we were recently together at a big event and I've lost a little bit of my like, hey, finger guns, who are you? <laughs> Tell me about yourself. Like I have definitely, I'm not quite as extroverted or I've lost the muscles a little bit. It's taking me a little while to get them back. You've lost that love and feeling. I've lost that loving extrovert feeling. Correct. <laughs> and so have I, because I'm somewhere, I'm much closer to the introversion end of the spectrum, but I'm not like bad at this stuff. I'm a performer. I'm a like, I've done comedy on stage. Like, I, So I do have that part of me. Sure. So I'm also deconditioned. I'm a little atrophied on that. So right. I'm even more introverted than I used to be. And you're more like, I'm less extroverted than I used to be. For sure. And I think that for extroverts, I mean, I need my like snuggle in bed. No one talk to me time. I need my quiet time. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I definitely would not be able to survive at the 24 hour party. Like I'm always ready to go home and get in bed and snuggle down. And what about in your marriage? Would you say you're married to an introvert or an extrovert? Huh, interesting. I think that my husband would have considered himself an extrovert before meeting me. I am definitely <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> the bench, the watermark. Yeah. And I will say my sister-in-law, who was on the podcast, Christina Martin, look for her episode. She is a teacher unrelated to this. But at some point late in my dating life, I was 35 and single and... She and I were having a conversation. She's like one of those people in my life who can kind of really like tell it as it is and like say it. Mm, we need those. And at some point after dating a series of like mad Irish bartenders and like lunatics, we were having a conversation. She said, I just think you're the fun one. You might need to find someone a little saner than you. You know, like you don't need to find crazy fun in your partner. Because you've got that covered. Interesting. And so you really, I think I had maybe already met my husband-to-be, and I was struggling a little bit in our dating life with the fact that he was so normal compared to anyone else I dated. And like, wait, is this right for me? I'm, And that's what she was basically saying. Like, it's great for you to have someone who counterbalances the fun parade, because two fun parades lead you to crazy town. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt, people. If you get nothing else from this episode. <laughs> Two fun parades lead to crazy town. Yeah. I am married to somebody who I would say is just like me in this. Like, I can do it, hmm. but it's this. Like He just had to give a big presentation at an annual meeting, and I could see how much bandwidth it was taking in his entire life for like the two weeks leading up to it. You know what I mean? Like he didn't really want to even talk to anybody at home. He needed to really like go in the cave and get ready to do this thing, this performance. And then when it was over, he had drawn a lot of energy from it and came home like, oh, I heard this and I like this. It was much better in the rearview mirror as it is for me, I think. Like I love performing. I love connecting with people. But I'm going to posit something for you. I think that you guys, I don't know your husband that well. I haven't spent a ton of time with him, but people would be shocked to hear that. But I think like the four of us have been in the same room 
Mm, five times in five years? Maybe. Five is a stretch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sometimes see him walking by uh, topless on your Zoom when he gets out of the shower. <laughs> but other than that, I don't know the guy that well. In some ways, I know him very well. Yes. But in other ways, not at all. But yes. But I think you guys have the opposite. Like, he seems a little bit more energized by like the crowd in terms of like on an off time, but he was freaked out by the performance. You seem to do really well with the performance, but not as much with the crowd. That would be my uh, outside analysis. Oh, okay. All right. See that? You like your sister-in-law in my relationship. <laughs> I'm a youngian. Yes, exactly. I mean, I think you guys complement each other well. And again, like my husband and I met on eHarmony, the website. And one of the questions, which I thought was really interesting, is if you go with a date to a party, what would you like them to do? Number one is like stay by your side the whole time and like facilitate your time at the party. Number two was go off by themselves and you would know that they're having a good time and you don't have to worry about them. And maybe number three was like, come and check in and then go back. But one of the things that I really love, because I do love work at a party, and one of the things I really appreciate about my husband is I can bring him to some pretty wacky situations in terms of like I have a, you know, artsy kind of kooky group of friends who are all on all the time. And we can leave a party four hours later and I can say like, who'd you talk to? And he's like, oh, I talked to this person, that person, but I don't have to babysit. Like he can handle himself, but he also plays his lane a little bit at the party of like big personality actor people. He like finds a spot for himself and I can go and like be big and be on. That's funny because when we, my husband and I were first dating, I took him out to dinner to a birthday party. I think it was a birthday dinner with a bunch of, as you would say, like kooky actors who are trying to like win the minute. Like every moment is a joke opportunity, you know, top the last thing somebody said, reintroduce the funny thing from 20 minutes ago. And I kind of thought that equaled fun friendship, I think. Like that equaled like a great night. And, and this was a long time ago, but we were on our way home. And he's like, wow, I just felt like everybody was just trying to make a joke the whole time. It's kind of exhausting. And... <laughs> It was a real, you know, like, oh, you're right. Welcome to my world of toys. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm trying to exist in that world all the time, and you don't have to do that to interact with people. That awareness, like what you were saying before about going to a party with your spouse and knowing he can kind of handle it is great because you are aware of, okay, this is a little harder for him than it might be for me, and this is a loving act on his part, and this is a great thing about him that he'll do this for me, right? And he... On the other hand, it's his awareness of like, okay, like I have to like, I'm going to this, you know, kooky party, the land of the kooks, and I have to turn it on a little bit. But I love my wife. And so I'm happy to do that. And it, it's not terrible. It's just, you know, you know, he's working hard and he knows he has to work hard and you're going to both like leave your comfort zone a little bit and appreciate one another. Have you ever seen that meme? It's like a nine part frame and one side it's chaotic, neutral, and then lawful, evil. Like he is true neutral, my husband. He is true neutral. I'm kind of chaotic good. Like lawful chaotic or something? Yeah. Yeah, it's lawful and chaotic and good and evil. Mm -hmm. And so those are the nine boxes as it goes around. And I would say at our best, I'm chaotic good and he's true neutral. So the opposites, like it's a good thing. I have a statistic for you. Tracy Ross, she's a relationship therapist. She says that this introvert extrovert mix is common in relationships. And she says it's because the differences opposites attract, I mean, which is like obvious, I guess. But true that these we're interested in this other person completing us in a way that we are perhaps struggling a little bit. 
Yeah, I was looking at some memes around introverts, extroverts, and definitely like the introvert like gets adopted by the extrovert and like that kind of vibe. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think two extroverts in the truest sense. Two memes would be a lot, Amy. That's what I'm saying. Right. Two fun parades lead to crazy town. But you're hitting on something that I think is really interesting. So introverts are in the minority, supposedly. I feel like everybody says they're a little bit of both. But I feel like everyone says they're an introvert. I feel like it's one of those terms now where everyone's like, I'm an introvert. I'm like, okay. Yeah, because I found a a statistic saying that introverts are in the minority that make up 30% of the population. I mean, this might be like true introvert. Like I like my puzzles and my cat. Yeah, <laughs> forever. Like the pandemic was amazing because I just got to stay home all the time. I can think of a couple people in my extended family who were like, this is great. And they didn't swerve from that point of view. because They're true introverts. I think I've said before, talking about my roommate from college, we were talking about getting married. And she said, I want to be married someday. But the idea of like having to put on a giant dress and be the center of attention and be like the one person in a costume at an event is my nightmare. And I was like, that's my best day. I want that day to be every day. Like, I always want to be the center of attention. And I think our society, I mean, there's that book, Quiet, that Susan Cain wrote that really changed points of view that there's room. I haven't read the book, but it's that there's room for introverts in the world. Sure. I think in culture, particularly Western culture, there's a study I can explain to you that I thought was really interesting. We have this idea that it's kind of better to be extroverted, right? Like there's, yes, it's better. You do more for society and you're a happier person if you're extroverted. So here, introverted person, let me help you get more comfortable with being more extroverted. And we certainly reward extroverted behaviors. But there's a little bit of pushback on that, that it's necessarily shy or antisocial. I loved this quote. R.L. Lefevers wrote a bunch of really good articles for Wired magazine, of all places, okay. about introversion versus extroversion. So I'll link to them in the show notes. And so R.L. Lefevers, who I wonder if is an introvert, says that introversion does not mean shy or socially anxious or antisocial, although I would venture to say that a number of those characteristics can occur when an introvert is pressured or forced to behave in an extroverted manner. Correct. I have another thought on this, and I'm going to hit you with it after the break. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. 
The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Amy, we're back. One of my other lives outside of podcasting, I teach public speaking. And we do an exercise in public speaking that is called 853. And the numbers are just random. They don't correlate to anything. It's just three different (laughs) levels. Okay. I don't know why it's 853. It's not my exercise. But it's a speaking exercise. And you put people in three chairs. There's three chairs on stage. And one of them is three, which is your most calm and like collected self. Your five chair is your true neutral and your eight chair is your most expressive and, you know, over the top self. And we interview the person and then they move from chair to chair back and forth. So like they try to capture like how they would express themselves at a three, at a five and at an eight. But the central tenet of the exercise is that there is no judgment attached to those three numbers. Mm. And then we talk a lot about like, who are people we see like a natural eight might be like someone like Steve Harvey or like a preacher, right? Who you picture a five is maybe like a Barack Obama, like a person who just is very calm. And then a three is maybe Gandhi, like a person like you say, when you're right, you don't need to push like a three is not bad. Oh, okay. A three is not shy. A three is not like a person who like can't get their words together. It's a person who speaks from a very calm and like low set place. And I think introvert extrovert has a lot of the same feeling, which is that And then I had a student once who said to me, I was giving an example that I was coming home from something and I rear-ended somebody and I got out of the car like a three. My fault. I apologize. I turned around to look at something for a second and he came out of the car as an eight. Like, you idiot, how could you possibly do this? And then I went straight to an eight. Like, I'm not an eight. And we're sitting there screaming at each other on the side of the road. I was telling this story to illustrate 853, and one of my students said, and it was so profound, if you could have stayed at a three, he would have eventually come to a three. If you could have stayed there. Yes. And it's like, that's the trick. The three is not bad. Like to be a calm and like collected person, in that case, the eight needs to, we both need to meet at a three or at best a five, right? And so I think when you take away the judgment, that's why I like giving it numbers, even though the numbers are random, because it takes out like, extrovert good, introvert bad. You know, it just lets it say like, these are modes of communication and operating systems that we have and that they work in different places. If you are an introvert or you love an introvert, I think you would find the study pretty interesting. It published in 2019, Journal of Happiness Studies. I know you're familiar with it. They posited that Because Western culture values and prioritizes extroverted traits, like being more outgoing. Also, extroverts are more optimistic and cheerful. It kind of goes with the profile. So we didn't even talk about that part of it. And so these things are good. These things are to be desired. 
And so they wanted to study, does that negatively affect your mental health if you're an introvert to know that you are not all these things that Western society prizes? And so they measured scales of what they called extroversion deficit beliefs. If you're an introvert, you know, do you feel bad that you're not all of these ways? And of course, 100% of the people in the study are like, yes, I totally feel bad about this. And so their conclusion was that introverts might be more authentic and boost their own well-being if they can change their beliefs to become more accepting of their introversion. And I think that includes having a partner who understands, you know, that you're different, but it's not worse or bad. You're three. Threes are good sometimes. For sure. And I think flip side, speaking for the extroverts. Yes. There is also some of that pressure. There's a famous, what do you call it? Like a story that tells a larger lesson parable, I suppose. Okay. And it's a guy, he goes to the doctor and psychiatrist and he's like, I'm just so depressed and I can't function. And he's like, I have an amazing suggestion for you. You have to go see this clown who's in town. He makes everybody laugh. Pagliacci, like you must go see him. And of course, the end of the story is that he's like, I am Pagliacci actually the clown like that's like (laughs) and I do think like there is also pressure to always be like fun and like but when you go and you're having a hard time it's like no no no, but you're the fun like you keep us all you know you bring the party and so I think that's right any identity this is why we say watch your story any identity brings with it pressure to live up to that identity Mm -hmm. and that's where I think introvert extrovert is If it starts to become like, well, I'm an extrovert, so I can never go somewhere and be a three because like people expect the eight from me. Right. Or you're an introvert and you're saying like, well, I so identify that way that it's affecting my behavior and my choices. That's where I think it can be problematic. And so like the social engagement thing, like that's sort of the more obvious example of when this conflict can come into play, right? If you have an introvert and an extrovert in your relationship, I'm thinking of of friends of mine where the husband is a true extrovert, just a connector, just a fountain of joy. And she's, you know, lovely and not the life of the party every second. And that can be hard in a relationship because she, I imagine, gets so much like, your husband is the best guy. Oh my God, he's so fun. And you start to feel like, okay, I'm the like attache of the star. I am the wind beneath his wings. It must have been cold there in my shadow. Yes. Never feel sunlight on your face. Yeah. And that can, you know, affect a relationship. And I think they're fantastic partners, by the way. But it does like it can get to you after a while when everybody just tells you how great your super fun spouse is. Right. Right. And that can be it's something for an extrovert who loves an introvert to keep in mind that, yeah, it must have been cold there in in my shadow. (laughs) I've always thought that song was so rude. It's like, wow. (laughs) It's like, hey, loser, I know that I shine bright as a diamond, but you've been great, too, in your own little loser way, being my friend. It's like it's a reference you won't get, but it's like Napoleon. This is from Napoleon Dynamite. It's like, Napoleon, sorry that I've been talking to girls all day on the Internet. Like his older brother, who's also a dork. It's like, sorry that I'm cool and you're a dork, the whole movie. Yeah. Can I give you another sort of form where the difference between introverts and extroverts can lead to tension in relationships? Amy, you may. Arguments. I thought this was interesting. So Tracy Ross, the relationship expert, she says, and I read this other places as well, that extroverts tend to talk out their problems. Good and bad. If I came home and I had a great day, I need to tell you about it to finish processing it. Mm-hmm. And if I'm feeling something, I might not even be done deciding what it is I feel, but I'm going to process it out loud and I'm going to, and, and I need another person to help me process this. 
introverts need to process, need to go away, maybe need to think about it for a day, maybe need to write it down instead of saying it out loud. They like process first. And so if you're an introvert, an extrovert in conflict, the extrovert is sort of fire hosing you with their not quite processed feelings, which can feel overwhelming. And if you're the extrovert and you express yourself to your introverted partner who kind of non-responds, you don't understand what's going on. You're like, no, 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 I need you to engage with me right now. It just leads to, it's two different types of, again, one's not better than the other, but your misunderstanding of like they process conflict in a completely different way than I do can lead to more conflict. And I had such a game changer conversation with a friend of mine about this who was saying that her husband at some point said to her, I don't want to get in a debate with you about this because you're a much better debater. than uh, me. And I still think I'm right, but I know I'm going to, lose the argument. (laughs) And I have that dynamic in my marriage all the time. Like I can talk the paint off the wall. Like I am really good at convincing people of my argument. And my husband, who is much more like reasoned and more of a three or a five, I feel like I get my way a lot because I'm just really, really good at steamrolling people with my opinion. I've totally done that with my partner. Like, but two minutes ago, you said the opposite. And now it's this. And then eventually be like, and like, maybe I can't even follow the thread of this anymore. That's right. And I think it's super interesting in terms of like keeping that in mind that like winning is not should not necessarily be the goal when you're talking to a partner. Mm -hmm. And I've had this with other people in my life, I feel like who I don't always realize that I can have kind of a domineering personality because from your own skin, you're always like, well, it's just me. Like, if you disagree with me, just say so. But I might be a little louder and like cannier in my arguments. And then like, I have to be careful of not just steamrolling people. This is something I learned much later in my life. Like, I think as a young person, I was just flitting through the world being like, here is my bidding. And if you don't like it, like, speak up. But it's not the best way to go through life, as it turns out. Mm -hmm. It has its advantages. You can get some stuff done. But, you know, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself, Amy. Right. Extroverts might enjoy an argument a little more because it's you're engaging and you're engaging an eight or a five or whatever it is. But you're like, well, wait a minute. You said this, but I think this. And that's kind of fun. And an introvert is like, please make it stop. This was the other thing that changed this completely for me. I can't, I wish I could remember who told me this because it's such good. You're not allowed to have any serious discussions. I've said this before, unless both of your feet are on the floor. (laughs) Because I used to do this all the time. I would get in bed with my husband. I'm a night owl. He's an early bird. He would have been up since 5.30. I would get in bed at 10 and be like, you know, here's the thing about the way we're planning our holidays. And then I would just basically lecture him from like 10 to 2. It was generally something I was not super attached to, but I thought I was really attached to at 10 o'clock at night. And we have cut that completely out of our lives. Like no serious conversations happen in bed. I think that's a good one. Because I don't have the energy. Like, exactly. It's just me processing the day. But I was basically torturing the dude. Like, he was awake until 2 o'clock in the morning being like, yeah, dear, yes, dear. All he's thinking is like, it's like a forced confession. He's like, I will say anything if you just let me go to sleep. (laughs) Anything. Right. I'm so tight. Right. And you can't really escape. Right. Like, you're in bed. You don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to, like, get up and go to the living room to fight more. No. And God forbid he starts nodding off. And I'm like, oh, this doesn't mean anything to you, I suppose. Wow, I'm a nightmare to live with and be with, Amy. I apologize. No, you're just extroverted. But this little (laughs) self-awareness, 
So here's another way that it can lead to conflict in a household when there's an introverted parent and an extroverted parent is within parenting. An extrovert parent is more likely to enjoy doing slightly risky things than an introverted person. Risk-taking appetite is part of the extrovert versus introvert personality. This is where I have to get off the extrovert train, but go ahead. This doesn't relate. But yeah, this is why it's a spectrum, right? So that an extroverted parent who, you know, enjoys the adrenaline and dopamine a little bit more maybe than the introverted needs more to feel sort of happy, needs more interaction, will want to mountain bike a little too fast with the kids or ski or, you know, jump off the rock, whatever it is, things that an introverted parent speaking in the great generality is going to be more like, whoa, 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 this doesn't feel safe. Yep. And can lead to conflict with parents about that. And also conflict between parent and child when you want the kid to jump off the rock and that kid is just not made that way. And making them jump off the rock is not going to change them into somebody who loves jumping off high places. This is where I leave the extrovert train. I'm a total nervous Nelly. Total (laughs) nervous Nelly. I don't like. And one thing that I did find is that we go to a lot of places. But one of the things the kids like doing is being out on boats and like tubing and stuff. And I just, I cannot stand it. I cannot stand being on a boat with my kid on like a rope and like zooming around. I spend the whole time scanning there. Do you see that boat that's over? It's like five miles away, but it could get closer. And and my husband, who is more introverted, is much more daring. He's not nervous. He just does not. He's true neutral. He does not Mm -hmm. have, we were once on a horrible flight that was like, tried to land four times, hit by lightning. It was a nightmare. And when we landed and finally I was like crying and, you know, awful, I said, well, weren't you terrified? He's like, no, I mean, planes are really built to survive a lot. Like he really was not nervous the whole time. And so I outsourced some stuff to him. Like if it's time to go tubing, I stay home and I have a cup of tea and they go. And I just stay out of situations where that are inherent for that conflict where I'm the buzzkill because... I don't even objectively think it's dangerous. I just know that I'm going to go and be the person the whole time who's like, and I just would rather not. It just ruins your enjoyment. That's how I feel about skiing. It ruins everyone's enjoyment. Yeah. Right. You're not enjoying it. That's how I feel about skiing because I'm watching my kids, you know, ski way too fast. And people do get injured skiing all the time. So I'm not like nutso, but clearly everybody's paid a lot of money to go down this mountain really quickly. But I'm not even just worried about my kids. I'm worried about everybody else's kids zooming past me on the, you know, most beginner of slopes because I'm a fraidy cat and all these five-year-olds are zooming by, not looking where they're going. And like, I'm almost running into a kid constantly and I draw no joy from that. I feel like that's where like mother overtakes introvert, extrovert and kind of neutralizes it. Maybe it does. Let's talk more about this as it applies to kids when we get back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. (laughs) But all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer 
protein, and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. And now, extroverts versus introverts. From the What Fresh Health podcast. Extroverts, go hard and then go home. Introverts, go home, stay home, repeat. Extroverts, answer the phone even when it's an unknown caller. Introverts, mute calls from their husband and their mom several times a day. Extroverts, worry that unforeseen events will cancel plans. Introverts, worry that fully foreseen plans will happen and they will actually have to go. Extroverts. Energized by social situations. Introverts. Energized by going to parties and interacting solely with the host's pet. This has been Extroverts versus Introverts. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Okay, so I think now is a good time for us to pivot to solutions and talk about our kids a little bit too, because the sort of... Dynamic- Amy, won't someone think of the children? My goodness. Won't someone, won't anyone? Because the dynamic we have not really discussed yet is when you're an introvert and your kid is an extrovert or vice versa, because that also leads to conflict. Yes. So let's talk about some ways that you can support your partner or child who is an extrovert when you're not. Shall we start there? Yep. I'll take it. Because it's important to remember, right, that I'm going to quote R.L. Lefevers here, that just as you, introvert, need solitude to process and think and recharge, that your extroverted partner or child really does need social interaction to do the same. Their system requires that to recharge the battery and allow them to operate at an optimum performance level. Like your loving spouse, who you want to do more around the house, needs social interaction to recharge. Okay, so how can I think about that? And how can I allow room for that, which will allow my partner to show up the rest of the time as a better spouse and parent? Yeah, right? Because I think about that, like anytime that my spouse spends away from the home and away from me and the kids doing something that he loves, it's time that he could spend helping me with the kids, right? (laughs) But if your spouse is a true extrovert and they they have their like buddies at the gym, 
then that's going to make them a happier person for the rest of the day. And they need to do that just like I need to go read a book. Yeah. And it's worth having the conversation. I feel like I have to give it a shout out to my husband. I have a second teaching career that is outside of the podcast, and it takes up a tremendous amount of time at extremely inconvenient times. I teach at night, so it's like he's got to do dinner, and then it just takes a lot of mental energy. And I will say, I often will try to say to him, like, thank you so much for, like, supporting me in this. Like, I really try to realize, like, his role in facilitating that, which is, I get it, I facilitate a lot of things for him, but this is like a heavy lift and kind of a big ask, as is like when we're traveling and working on stuff. And it is very important to my overall mental happiness to be pursuing things outside of raising children. But it does make my husband's life a little harder. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, my husband never, listen, I never promised him a rose garden. I wasn't like presenting myself that I was going to be Donna Reed in the big dress, you know, presenting him a casserole and taking off his shoes and rubbing his feet when he came home. Like he knows what he was in for. (laughs) But I do think appreciating offering that to your spouse. And I try, you know, when we were first married, I was like, golf is not happening. I don't care. Like, I know you like to play golf, but a nine hour activity that happens only on the weekends when you're already working 60 hours a week is not acceptable to me. Yeah. Suspiciously timed, I would say. And similarly, like, listen, I had to give up a lot of the things that feed me. And right now you have to give up one of the things that feeds you. But as we are coming out of the fog of early childhood, it's like, all right, go do your thing. Like, we'll trade off. And trying to approach it from the point of view of like, my partner has needs that I don't understand. I will never understand golf. It's dumb and ridiculous. But Mm -hmm. he loves it and he enjoys it. And making a huge effort to facilitate his relationship with golf is something that I'm working on, you know? And like, what is it? Yeah. Introvert, extrovert. What is it that feeds this person? Right. Because you love them, but also if you need a slightly less charitable explanation, because it will make them a lot, a lot happier the rest of the time, a lot easier to deal with. Let's talk about extroverted kids when you're an introverted parent, because one very interesting thing I hadn't really considered was that extroverted kids also think out loud. Like if you have a constant talker at your side. I have one of those. I have two of those. You have one. Yeah. It can drive you nuts, but they need to do that. Like, you know, they're processing out loud, which doesn't mean you need to be you know, listening 24-7. You know, you can put on the noise-canceling headphones once in a while. But those kids, this is R.L. Lefevre's again, extroverted kids might need a little more help building the self-reliance muscle. For sure. And also... They don't need five minutes to themselves ever, right? And so you have to teach them to do it. Teach them to do it. And also, we have started, now that I have tweens who can talk for nine hours straight. I have started to put parameters around like no talking about video games at the dinner table. And also like I will say to one of my kids, I will listen to this for 20 minutes if it's a rundown of what every single kid in the school building is doing and how they're interacting. And I think it's okay to put limits around that because also you have to sometimes learn and believe me, I am not good at this. I often come home from cocktail parties and I'm like, how much was that on a scale of one to 10? And my husband will kind of be like, it was close to a nine. That was kind of a lot. You know, (laughs) I am not good at sharing conversation. I like to be the center of attention. I like to get on a roll. I mean, I could definitely go to a dinner and be the only person who talks the whole time. That would be very comfortable for me, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's a skill to kind of learn your place a little bit. And I still work on it. I mean, I like to dominate a conversation. That's what I was thinking, that the kid who, right, always wants to talk, always wants to, you know, have a conversation partner, 
they do need a little support with that, but it is a life skill that they need to learn. Right. So make room for that. And I will also say a lesson that I've been learning with my extrovert is I have a very extroverted kid. Funny, loves to kind of be the center of attention. Like we'll get up and tell jokes at a party. He's mama's son. I love the kid. But it's interesting to me. Also, I signed him up for theater camp and he didn't like it. It's interesting. Like maybe it was too constrained and like he had to do lines instead of just being the center of attention. Like, I mean, I think his idea would be like a hundred unwilling captive audience members have to listen to him tell jokes for three hours, but that's not quite the same as like being in a play and having 10 lines and everyone else has 10 lines. And so I think sometimes what you think an extrovert wants is not exactly correct, I guess is what I think. It occurs to me in terms of like dividing the workload that if you have an extroverted kid, like I'm thinking about swimming lessons and how the din of the indoor pool and the echoing of like 15 kids screaming at the same time, I would definitely rather stay home and clean the kitchen than take the kid to Saturday morning swimming class. So if in your partnership, you have somebody who's more extroverted, who draws like they take the kid to swimming class and you don't have to do that. And then you're doing something they really don't want to have to do, which is like a boring, lonely (laughs) task that you can listen to a podcast and be happy that that's if you understand what each other really can't stand, then you can do the you can allow them to do the lifting where it's easier for them. One more thing I was thinking about in preparing for this episode is extroverted kids. Two things with both introverted kids. I think it can be sometimes easy to miss what's going on with them because they come home, they go up to their room, they read their book, they build their Lego set. They So you have to kind of reach in and figure out what's going on with them. Extroverted kids, it can also be easy sometimes to miss what's going on with them because it's wall of noise. Hmm. And so sometimes you have to sift through the like garbage pile of 40,000 facts about what's going on to be like, I'm seeing a pattern that this kid always seems to be controlling your behavior in this social group or trying to control your behavior in this social group. And I think there's different trouble accessing both of these categories of kids. Does that make sense? That makes a ton of sense. Like an introverted kid, if they come to you and talk to you about something, it's by definition important enough for them to be bringing it to you. Extroverted, you have to like run AI on the transcript. That's exactly it. And I think that's exactly right. That like, if you have, I had an example of like two different people in my life and someone brought me something like, oh, I really want this to be done this way. And I come from a family where if you say I want something to be done this way, it's like a serious thing. And someone gave me the insight on this person of like, oh, no, they say that 400 times a week. Like it doesn't have the same import as the person who says it once. And like that's the extrovert thing a little bit, which is, okay, you say everything all the time. So what in this pile matters, I think, can be tricky. I found that with my chatty children. All right, let's talk about some ways that we can support our introverted child or partner. This one I want to remember when they don't respond right away, mm-hmm. it's because they're thinking before they react. It's not because you need to make them respond because they're not responding. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, I know what you mean. I have a kid who's on the spectrum, so I definitely know what you mean. Like, there is no happiness to being like, answer me this right now doesn't work. Right. Similarly, introverted people need a little more lead time. Like you can't spring on them that you're going to the baby's birthday party 10 minutes before you leave. This is all spectrum stuff too, which is interesting. 
Is that's interesting, but it's kids and parents, right? Like I need to prepare. It also makes me think of like recovering from long COVID. Like I have enough energy to do this conversation on the phone or walk the dog, but I can't do both. So I need to pick which one is more important. Like you need to parcel out your energy that carefully. You know, this is more mental, but yeah, I need to get ready. I need to save up my energy that we're going to your cousins for Thanksgiving this year. This is another thing that I've learned throughout my long, long life, Amy, is that you have to watch your definition of fun when you're an extrovert. Like I have had that experience more than once where I'm like, I've planned a super fun surprise night for you and it's karaoke followed by, you know, dancing and this, that, and that's not fun. That's not fun. You know, like, and then I'm like resenting people who don't think it's fun. You got to introverts going to introvert and you've got to let people, you got to eight, five, three, it versus like fun, not fun. Yeah, going back to that quote from the beginning that Arla Fever said that introverts aren't necessarily socially anxious, socially backward, antisocial, but they might become that way when you're making them go to the paintball and then to the disco, right? <laughs> That's right. Some behaviors you're not happy with might really emerge. Oh, I read a book a long time ago. It was such a game changer about approaching kids on the spectrum and that the metaphor they used was like a person's reading a J.D. Salinger book and you walk up to them and you slap it out of their hands and you're like, that's not fun. We're going to the movies. That's going to be fun. Mm. And how abrasive that is. But that if rather you were to sit next to that person and also read a J.D. Salinger book. And then a week later, you start having a conversation about J.D. Salinger. And then a week after that, you're like, we could go see the movie that's this is based on. I guess there aren't a lot of J.D. Salinger movies, but you you know, like that you have to get into someone else's space and understand what's fun for them rather than be, I think I spent time being the person who was like slapping the book out of their hands and being like, this is what fun looks like. Be different, right? <laughs> yeah, be different. Just be more like me. If you could just be completely different and frankly, a lot more like me, everything <laughs> would be better. <laughs> so that doesn't work. That's what we're landing on as we come to the end of this episode. Perhaps you should let people be who they are and realize that the way you are is not always the best way. That's where I struggle. Yeah, we solved it. Solved it. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you can always rate and review our podcast. (laughs) Oh, I love that. That was such a smooth segue. This is what I'm going to say. If you're an introvert, you should sit at home with your app and give us stars. If you're an extrovert, you should run up to people on the street and shake them by the shoulders and say, are you listening to a great parenting podcast called What Fresh Hell Laughing? Yeah. Either one is open to you. Whatever makes you feel more comfortable. We're going to meet you where you are and let you do either one of those things, friends. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Thanks so much. So long. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.